We have amazing pastors here. Amen. They love us. They want what's best for us. They're here to challenge and to empower us. Amen. You know, I was talking to a kid the other day. I work with a youth ministry called Teens for Christ, and I was talking to a kid, and, and I said, man, I'm just so thankful that I go to a church that challenges me to stay in the Word and to figure out what I believe. You know what I mean? We're so blessed. We're so blessed. Well, if you turn with me to uh, John chapter 14 and verse 30, we're going to get started here. Um, while you're turning over there, I'll kind of give you a little, little setup. While I was studying and praying about what maybe God would have me share today, um, I was listening to a minister, and uh, he was talking along some similar lines as to what we're going to talk about today, and, and uh, the Holy Spirit dropped a question in me. Um, and at first, I was like, well, is this just for me, or is this like something that I need to talk about? Um, and as I continued to study, it came out, obviously, that it was something we needed to talk about here. Amen? And he said, he said these words. He said, what are you yielding to? What are you yielding to? What are you giving place to in your life? Y'all, John? Yeah, everybody there? Yeah. Amen. So John 14, 30 says, I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me. This is Jesus talking close to the end of his earthly ministry. And uh, he's getting ready to go to the cross. And, and, and he says here a couple interesting things that I want to talk about. Uh, this is just kind of setting up so that we can really get into this, but two things. One, one of a, a common misconception that we have in the church, and I'm not necessarily saying this church, but the church as a whole, is that, uh, I, I, like I said, I deal with high school students, and a lot of them say this all the time, uh, that God is just in control. How many of you know that's not true? Come on. It's not true. That's a lie. Now, let me explain what I mean before I, you know, start getting stoned or whatever up here. Um, yes, God's plan and his, his, uh, his will for the earth will come to pass eventually. Okay? Like, y'all read the end of the book. We're going to get raptured out of here. We're going to be in heaven. There's going to be a new heaven. There's going to be a new earth. Right? That's going to happen. But what I mean is that God is not forcing anyone to do anything. He does not force you to listen to him. He does not force anyone to do anything. If God was in control, when Jesus was asked by the disciples, how do we pray? He would not have said, pray like this. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There would have been no reason to pray for his will to be done on earth because if he's in control, he's already doing his will. How many of you know there's no crime in heaven? There's no murder in heaven. There's no sickness in heaven. Why? Because God's in control. So the first thing we got to understand before we get into this is that God's not forcing anyone to do anything. The only place on this earth where God is in control is where people are yielded to his spirit. The second thing that Jesus says here is he says, the ruler of this world is coming. How many of you know that uh, 
2 Corinthians 4 and verse 4 calls him the God of this world. We're talking about the enemy. We're talking about the devil. Okay? Says that he's coming, but that he has no place in Jesus. The Amplified says it like this. He has no claim on me, no power over me, nor anything he can use against me. Hallelujah. How, that's, how many of you know that's a good news right there? And, and you know, when I first read that, I thought to myself, well, duh, it's Jesus. Like, of course the enemy has no power over him, no claim. Well, apparently, there was an opportunity for Jesus to yield to something other than the Father, or he wouldn't have said this. Another common misconception that we have in the church is that Jesus did what he did because he was God while he was on earth. It's not true. While Jesus was on the earth, he was fully man. And he operated just as we are called to operate, by the power of the Holy Spirit, by responding to the word of God, right? Following the leading and the guiding of the Holy Spirit. You know, I I think one of the reasons why uh, people don't like to hear about that or talk about that is because it takes away one of our favorite excuses, right? One of our favorite excuses as Christians, and I'm going to come down off this platform. I'm going to take my phone now. I uh, lost my iPad, couldn't find it this morning. I usually preach off my iPad, so I got this little tiny screen to... Yeah, I do. (laughs) But uh, it takes away one of our favorite excuses. It takes away the excuse of, well, I'm only human. Of course I'm going to sin. Well, I'm only human, and, you know, well, Jesus, he was the Son of God. So he was different. How many of you know the Bible says in Hebrews... 4, verse 15, that he was tempted in every way just as we were in every every respect, yet without sin. Jesus, just like you and I, have an opportunity to yield to things other than the Holy Spirit. He, He, just as we do in this earth, had an opportunity. We see it in the garden, right? A perfect example of it is we see it in the garden. Jesus is praying. And the stress and the anxiety come on him for what he has set before him. And he begins to sweat blood. And he says, God, if there be any other way, let this cup pass. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Jesus had an opportunity in that moment when the fear came on him, when the stress of the situation came on him. He had an opportunity to yield to the feelings that were on top of him. And he chose instead to yield to the will of the Father. To yield to the word of the Father. You know, I, uh, like I said, I work with another ministry called Teens for Christ. And one of the things that students bring up to me when I'm mentoring them, when I'm talking along these lines, um, is they say, well, doesn't the Bible say that we all fallen short of the glory of God? As though that's an excuse. And I go, yeah, but just because you have fallen doesn't mean you have to fall and continue to fall. You can choose. You have a choice. Take some responsibility in your actions. This is a good word. (laughs) Will you turn with me over to Ephesians 4, 22? We're going to look at some places in the Bible uh, that talk about ways that we can yield to the enemy. And, uh, 
I told Chad earlier that because Jim Crab is coming, that I'm going to walk a lot. <laughs> and I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to like get out of the camera, so that, get practice in for, before he gets here. You know what I mean? Get, get the camera guys warmed up for Jim Crab. Man, he is amazing. I, y'all come, planning on coming to that conference? Man, I'm telling you what I'm expecting. There's stuff coming, man. How many of you know the truth will set you free? That you walk in, that you apply to your life, it'll set you free. It'll set you free. How many of you know the Bible says that there is a devil and he prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour? Key word in that scripture is may. May, that means there's some he may and some he may not. I don't know about you, but I'm going to be a may not. I'm going to be a may not today. I'm going to choose to stand against it. Y'all at Ephesians? All right. Ephesians 4, starting in verse 22, sorry. It says, put off the old self, which belongs to the former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Hmm. And to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away from you falsehood, lying, the the Amplified says telling half-truths, spreading rumors. And speak the truth one to another, for we are all members of one body, the body of Christ. Be angry and do not sin. The Amplified says, do not allow your sin to cause you shame. Don't allow yourself to get so angry that you get out of control and you step into sin. Right? There are things we can be angry at. Amen? Sickness. Man, I'm telling you right now, I, am, I, I do not like sickness. I don't like it when I see it on people because it's a violation of the temple of the Holy Spirit. And it... Eh. It says, be angry and sin not, and do not let the sun go down on your anger. Give no opportunity or place to the devil. The Amplified says, don't give him any place. It says, don't give him any opportunity. It says, by what? It says, by nurturing anger, by cultivating bitterness. Come on now. Give no place to the enemy. The understood subject in this is you and me. We are to give no place to the enemy. Amen? Feelings are a choice. Now, not to feel them, because feelings come on us, but to yield to them is a choice. Don't give any power to the enemy. Verse 28. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor and do honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupt talk come out of your mouths, but only such that is good for the building up and as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear it. Now, like I said, I work with a youth ministry. I work with this one here, and I work with this other one. And how many of you know, when you work with teens... 
one of the things you talk about is the words that come out of your mouth. Right? You work with teens, you talk about cussing. That's, I mean, you do. Right? But how many know this verse isn't just talking about four-letter words that people don't like to hear? This verse is talking about the fact that words are containers. They're like cups. You can put stuff in them. You can communicate something to somebody without ever explaining what you're communicating to them with words. You can take the four-letter word, what? Just the word, what? How many of y'all have kids in here? How many of you know you can say what and mean a whole mess of stuff when you say what to your kids? You can say, what? 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 You're communicating a whole lot of stuff other than just, what did you ask me? What are you communicating? What are you communicating with your words? Words are a tool. Words are a tool. It's a heart thing. We're still talking about yielding. You can yield to him in your words too. It says, do not, oh sorry, uh, verse 30. It says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed. The Amplified says sealed. It says branded as his own. It says marked by God. How many of you know you've been marked by God? You've been marked by God. God calls dibs on you. Amen? Hmm, I just like that. That's not, I don't really have a point there. Just. <laughs> and then he goes back to it and he recaps kind of what he said before. He said, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. How many of you know the enemy's not kind? So if you're yielding to kindness, you're not yielding to the enemy. Right? You know, he lays out a couple things here that when we begin to yield to these types of feelings, we give place to the enemy in our lives. Lying is an action that gives place. Anger, bitterness, wrath. Fear is a feeling. How many of you know you can look somebody in the face that has totally made you just absolutely like spitting mad? Like, just like, right? And you can walk right up to that person in the midst of the situation. I'm talking about when the anger's at its height. And you can say, Josh, I love you. I love you. You can choose. <laughs> heard that. <laughs> you can choose, you're not wrong, you can choose to yield to the anger or to respond in kindness. Now I'm talking about being spiritual right now. I'm talking about being mature in Christ. Learning to put your flesh down and instead respond in kindness. Respond in love. I mean, you hit it on the head earlier with the scripture you read, Brad. I almost, I, like, he got done, and I was like, I don't even need to preach now. 
I mean, you know, if you have not love, what are you? Amen, that's good. You need to learn how to catch yourself in the moment. Or at least start by catching yourself afterwards and apologize. <laughs> right? You need to start somewhere. Now I want everyone to look forward. Don't look at uh, the person sitting next to you. No elbow nudges when I say what I'm about to say. Okay? How many of you in the place today are married? Yeah. How many of you have ever had a heated discussion <laughs> with your spouse? <laughs> now, don't raise your hand for this next one. Because we got to, you know, don't want to out too many people here. But uh, how many of you in the middle of that discussion, things started to bubble up on the inside of you? Situations? Things your spouse has said, things your spouse has done. Almost like you were inspired. Almost like you were inspired. Because you were. Now, you weren't inspired by the Holy Spirit. Amen. But you were yielded to something that inspired you. And along with all those memories come all the feelings that come along with that issue that you've harbored and nurtured in yourself. Right? How many of you know it is the worst experience of your life to realize that you allowed the enemy to minister destruction to the people around you by the words that came out of your mouth. That's a rough do. No, I'm not, you know, this isn't about condemnation, hallelujah. But there are some things we need to twist in our lives a little bit. Adjust some stuff. Get it working right. Amen? I work with high school students. And, uh, you know, you'd be amazed at some of the stuff that these students come to me and believe about themselves because of something that someone said to them years ago. Because their parents who were supposed to love them, supposed to nurture them, instead allowed the feeling of anger or frustration or irritation to have place in their life. And instead of ministering life by the words that came out of their mouth, they ministered death to those kids. I'm <laughs> Listen, I love people, but sometimes I'd like to have a conversation with some of these parents. I'd like to sit them down and just but see, that would be yielding. <laughs> and I can't do that. Can't yield to it, even though I feel it. Can't do it. 
Anger is a feeling. Fear is a feeling. Sadness is a feeling. And the enemy's plan for you is to get you to begin to yield to unreasonable feelings. Because if he can get you to yield to unreasonable feelings, he's got a foothold in your life. I mean, we see this depicted in, in the story of Peter, right? When he's about to walk out on the water with Jesus. And he sees Jesus walking. And he goes, Lord, if that's you, Master, if that's you, call me out on the water, right? He gets out of the boat. He starts walking. He's already walking on water. How, like, and he starts walking on the water, and the winds start. And the waves are splashing around. And I don't have to be there to tell you that this is probably what happened. The enemy came, and he said, you can't walk on water. What are you doing walking on the water? You can't even walk through a mud puddle without getting your feet wet. Peter's already walking on the water. But the fear overtook him. And he began to sink. The miracle's already taking place. And yet he chose to yield. Fear is one of the most ridiculous feelings that we have. Now, I understand that there are certain things that you're afraid of, like, you know, like, obviously there's a feeling when you're, like, roofing a house and you get over to the edge and you're like, oh, this feels bad, right? <laughs> like, that's like danger, don't jump off, like, you're, you're going to get hurt. I'm not talking about that kind of fear. The fear I'm talking, Jake knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> like when you're walking across the roof and you get one of those plastic sheets and your foot goes out. Yeah. yeah. You know. You know. But, but what I'm talking about is not that. What I'm talking about is, is, is irrational fear. What I'm talking about is you having this strong feeling on the inside of you about a situation that has not yet even happened. I mean, think of how bizarre fear is. Like, Really? You've written a story in your mind of how something's going to play out. Right? Void of the truth that Jesus is going to be there with you through the whole thing. And that probably, Dan says this all the time when he preaches, probably the situation that you think is going to happen isn't going to happen. But fear... We can overcome this. Don't have to be slave to it. Just because a feeling is so strong doesn't make it right and doesn't make it true. The feeling is real. Not negating the feeling being real. But how many know the Bible says that even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear. I will not fear. Not I won't feel fear. Not I won't feel afraid. I will not fear. You can stand up in the midst of one of the most terrifying situations of your life with all the fear that comes around you. Let's say you get a bad report from the doctor. And that fear is resting on you. You're in the valley of the shadow of death. And you can stand up in the midst of that fear 
and say, I refuse to fear. I refuse to allow this feeling to have place in my life. You do the same thing with depression. Well, how do you know? You look like a happy guy. You don't know my life. I live on the joy of the Lord now. But how many know it's not always been that way? you got to stand up in the midst of that feeling of sadness, in the midst of that feeling of depression, and refuse to accept it as the reality that you're going to adhere to. Depression, I, I don't want anything to do with you. You get away from me. You get out of my life in Jesus' name. How many of you know it's important to say that? Because sometimes, sometimes, that hasn't always been the case about not wanting it. Keith Moore says you can't use it and lose it at the same time. Well, you don't know what it's like. Listen, I'm not trying to belittle your feeling. But how about we don't belittle God's power? One of the biggest lies that the enemy will try to teach you or impress on you is that once you've felt something, it's too late. Once you've felt fear, you've already yielded. Once you've felt anger, you've already yielded. Once you've felt sadness, you've already yielded. That's a lie. That's a lie. You don't have to yield to it just because you feel it. If you don't believe me, let's look at the Bible. <laughs> Go with me to Genesis 4. Genesis 4. I should probably turn there too, huh? That might be helpful. God is so good. His truth will set us free. I had a teacher one time, this is not really on topic, but I had a teacher one time at Rama. He used to tell me that if you read something in the Word and it doesn't seem like good news, you need to read it again. Because it's good, it's all good news. It's all good news. So how many of you know this is right after Cain brings his offering? 4-4. Four, four. <laughs> Genesis 4, verse 4. This is right after Cain brings his offering. Abel comes in now. It says, and Abel, hold on. I'm going to switch translations. It says, but Abel brought an offering of the finest, firstborn of his flock, the fat portions. And the Lord had respect and regard for, the Abel, or for, for Abel and for his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no respect. So Cain became extremely angry, and his countenance was cast down. What does that mean? He was depressed, dejected, upset, irritated. 
He was mad. Somebody say he was mad. He was so mad. And the Lord looked at Cain and he said, why are you mad? In other words, what do you have to be mad about? If you do well, believe me and do what I have told you is acceptable and pleasing to me, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, but ignore my instructions, sin crouches at the door. Its desire is for you to overpower you. And then God says something absolutely amazing and empowering if you'll take it. He says, but you must master this. How many of you know God would not ask you to do something you can't do? So if God says you can master it, bless God, you can master it. You can master it. That's how we know. And he was right. Cain had an opportunity, just like we talked about Jesus having an opportunity. Cain had an opportunity to yield. And he yielded. And a fluffy sheep brought to God ended in murderous rage. Because Cain yielded instead of mastering it. You know, one of the things that I think that Cain, uh, or what God was saying to him is, he says, why are you so angry? What do you have to be mad about? And I think that that's another thing that we can learn from this story. It's one of the things the enemy tries to do to us is get us to blame everybody else for the stuff that we're dealing with. If he can get you focused on Abel's fluffy sheep, you're never going to look at the fact that you didn't bring your finest fruit or the best portion. And you won't adjust anything in you because it's somebody else's fault that you're in the situation that you're in. I love you guys. I was reading this and studying it and looking over it, and I was like, God, why can't I just make everybody, like, get hyped? You know what I mean? Like, like it's been a minute since I preached, and, uh, and I get to come in and talk about, like, this is awesome stuff. It's the power of God. It'll change your life. And when you step into it, you'll get real excited about it. But the stepping isn't necessarily fun. Right? Well, let's go on before we get lost here. Go to Jonah. We'll just jump over to Jonah. I'm actually doing pretty good on time. Hallelujah. Pastor won't text me. Get off the stage. <laughs> I know he is. He told me, he said, I'm going to be watching tomorrow. I was like, good. I'll say hi. I love Pastor. I, say, I said that already, but I'm just, I'm so thankful. Jonah. Jonah. 
Chapter 4, it's the last chapter of Jonah. There's only four, nice and short. My kind of book. <laughs> I think the Bible's the only book that I've ever read that's longer than like 16 chapters or something. <laughs> it's got to be a really good book. Otherwise, I'll just get it on cassette. That's old. I'll get it on MP3. I went to Rama. They still sell cassettes that, no, I'm just kidding, they don't. They don't do that, I'm joking. Y'all there? Yeah. All right. Jonah, um, leading up to this, y'all know the story of Jonah. He, God came to him, gave him a word that would decide the, the direction of an entire nation. Amen? And Jonah said no. Went the other way, right? Ran away from it all. Y'all know the story. Ended up in a big fish, spit out on a beach, goes into the city, preaches what God told him to do in the first place, and the people repent, and then we pick up here. It says, but it greatly displeased Jonah, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord and said, oh, Lord, is this not what I said when I was still in my country? In other words, I told you that I knew who you were and that if these people who deserve death and destruction, in my eyes, because I'm Jonah, now he's a prophet, but he'd been yielding to the wrong thing. These people who deserve death. (laughs) I'm telling you what. Anyways, I'll just keep reading. says, when I was still in my country, that's why I ran away. Because I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God. What? Yeah. Yeah. He's mad about the grace and compassion of God. Do you see how yielding to the wrong thing can twist your view? You're slow to anger and great in loving kindness. What? You're so good, God. And it makes me so mad. <laughs> now we're laughing. But how many know there's people in your life that God starts to bless them and something rises up on the inside of you. Why do they get blessed? And I'm over here. I mean, they skipped church last week. (laughs) And you're still blessing them. Come on. It'll mess with you. Great and loving kindness. 
And when sinners turn to you, you revoke the sentence of disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, just take my life from me. For it would be better for me to die than to live, knowing that you took mercy on these people over here. How many of you know when you yield to wrong things, you start to say some stupid stuff? When I was reading, and I've struggled with whether or not to share this story, but I'm, I'm just going to. When I was studying for this, God brought to my remembrance something that happened to me while I was in college. Stephen uh, Karbowski and Elizabeth, his wife, um, we were in class. And the director of the RMAI department at RAMA, the RAMA Alumni Association, walks into class. And he's a happy guy. Loves God. Loves people, man. He just wants to see you know, college-age students grow and, and grab a hold. He's, it's Doug Jones. Yeah. Um, but he was, he was upset. I mean, visibly upset. He walks up and grabs the microphone. Do you remember this? Okay. Grabs the microphone. He says, I want you to listen to me. He said, this thing you've decided to take on isn't a joke. And I said, okay. <laughs> yes, sir, Doug Jones. I had heard people challenge him in class before, and I was not about to be that guy. <laughs> he said, I just got off the phone with the son of a pastor. They were at a youth thing at their church, and their dad was at home studying. And they walked in, and the son found his dad hanging in his bedroom. And I hadn't really thought about that story until this week. Not really something you think about, right? Like, oh, remember that time at Raymond when we heard the story? Like, right? Like, you don't do that. That'd be weird. And God said to me, you know what happened to that guy? He said, this, what you're going to preach about on Sunday, is what happened to that man. He didn't wake up that morning and go, I'm going to kill myself. Just out of the blue. It was a yielding here and a yielding here and a yielding here that led him to destruction. What I want to tell you today is this. The reason why questioning what you yield to is so important is because what you yield to is what you give power to in your life. If you continue to yield to wrong things, you'll find yourself in a place you don't want to be. I'm not talking about works for salvation. Come on now. Like, don't come at me, right? Like, what I am talking about is this. A.W. Tozer said that in our desire to ford off the false doctrine 
of salvation by works, we've thrown out salvation with obedience. We've thrown out salvation with obedience. Not, not, not obedience for salvation. Get me now. This is good. <laughs> I'm getting some stuff in my own life. You know how awesome it is? Maybe not a lot of you know this, but those of you who speak know this, that while you're up on the platform and you get under the anointing and you start to teach, the Holy Spirit teaches you stuff while you're, while you're talking. And how many of you know that's sometimes that's some of the coolest stuff that I hear from the Father? Amen. It's awesome. That's a side note. <laughs> so Jonah's mad. Everybody say Jonah's mad too. Jonah's mad. Said, therefore now, O Lord, just take my life. And uh the Lord's so gracious, isn't he? Instead of just coming after Jonah and being like, come on, grow up. He says it, but he says it in a way that has a chance of being applied and taken. Oh, Lord, just take my life from me. It's better for me to die than to live. Then the Lord said, do you have a good reason to be angry? Jonah didn't answer. <laughs> I'm not, I mean, read it. He didn't answer. God said, do you have a right to be angry? And Jonah went, I'm out. <laughs> I'm not answering that question today. Nope. He went out of the city, sat to the east of it, there he made himself a little shelter, sat under the shade so that he could see what would happen to the city. Even though God was going to spare it, he's like, well, maybe there's a chance that somebody will do something and I'll still get to see them all destroyed. That'll be a good day. So he goes up. <laughs> That's what he does. He says he goes up and waits to see what happens to the city. I'm not making it up. So the Lord prepared a plant, and it grew up over Jonah to be a shade over his head to spare him from the discomfort. Even in Jonah's disobedience, God still provides a plant to help him in his discomfort. Man, he's so merciful. And he's, what he's doing here is, and you'll see it in a minute, he's setting Jonah up. He is. He's setting him up because he's going to show Jonah mercy. And hopefully Jonah will get it. So the Lord prepared a plant that grew over Jonah to be a shade over his head to spare him from the discomfort. And Jonah was extremely happy. Man, how quick it flips. How easy it is for us to flip-flop in our emotions and we're so angry, and now we're so happy, and, and we're happy right now, and then someone cuts us off in traffic, and now we're mad again, and everybody's out to get you, and don't you know I'm the most important driver on the road, and like, you know what I mean? We allow little inconveniences to destroy our whole day, because we don't, we're not mature enough to be like, oh, all right, 
Just keep driving. Didn't hit me. Don't know why I'm mad. I mean, car's fine. Preaching to myself right now. I drive for a living. <laughs> I do drive all the time. I'm telling you what, people in Tawas do not know how to drive. <laughs> Especially FedEx drivers, from what I hear. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I saw you the other day at Walmart. Anyways, he wasn't driving. He was being really nice. I mean, he was being Brad, you know, loving people, doing his job. He didn't see me, though, because I like to hide when I go in the back room so people don't talk to me. <laughs> I'm just being honest. All right, so Jonah left the city, and he went out to the east of it, and there he made himself, and God raised this plant over his head to give him shade to help him with his discomfort, and Jonah was extremely happy. For why? For the protection of the plant. I mean, felt good. It was hot. Good old plant. But then God prepared a worm in the morning. Sent the worm over there. And it ate the plant. And the plant died. And guess what Jonah did? He got mad. Because the plant died. So then the dawn the next day, and the worm came and attacked the plant, and it withered. And the sun came up, and God prepared a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on Jonah's head so that he almost fainted. And he wished he would die. And said, it is better for me to die than live. How many of you know Jonah's like, man, he's in his emotions right now. He's, listen, if, you, if you'd begin to yield to your emotions, you will be the most unstable person. <laughs> he just wished he would die. He's so mad about the plant. And God said to Jonah, do you have a good reason to be angry about the plant? This is in the Bible now. <laughs> this is like, I'm not making this a true story that God felt was important enough to put in the Bible. And if you dissect it like we are right now, you'll see why. He said back to God now. He responds this time. He says, what do you mean do I have a right to be angry? You killed my plant. And it's hot. Yeah, I'm angry. I'm angry enough to die. That's what he says. I'm angry enough to die. This is a prophet. Then the Lord said, You have compassion on the plant? for which you did nothing to make it come about. It rose in the night, and it died in the night. Should I not have compassion for Nineveh, the great city in which there is more than 120,000 innocents, people that can't even tell the right hand from their left, The Amplified says, and are not yet accountable to sin. 
That's interesting. I'm going to have to do a little look into that. Don't quote me on this, but it sounds like he's talking about children. Is that right? 120,000 children. Means there's a whole mess more people than just that. As well as many blameless animals. Question mark. End of Jonah. Hmm. You know. One of the most dangerous things about yielding to feelings is that the more you yield to them, the more you'll begin to be led by them. And the more that you begin to be led by them, the more they'll skew your perspective on reality. I just can't, I, I can't express, I think, how important it is for us to learn to master these things. To grow up, mature in Christ. Learn to put your flesh down. Not just yield to your emotions because it's how you feel. Let's go over to Acts and I'll Hopefully be done. Thank you guys so much for giving me. Anybody will give me like five more minutes? Raise your hand. Five, ten. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Book of Acts. I'm just going to, I'm not, I'm, we're not going to, I mean, you can read it, but I'm just going to tell you what it says because we're, we got to be done here. Um, Paul's talking. How many of you know Paul's been through some stuff? I mean, if you want to know what Paul's been through, you scoot on over to 2 Corinthians, and you read a list of some things, okay? He's been shipwrecked, uh, stoned, beaten with rods, whipped by the Jews. He was afloat in in the ocean for a day and a night. I mean, he's been through some stuff. And here in Acts, he says, that he knows that the Holy Spirit's telling him to go to Jerusalem. And that imprisonment waits him there. And that hardships and tribulation wait for him there. And then he says something that we need to get. He says, I know this is coming. I know I'm about to walk into this. And still... None of these things move me. I will not be moved by my circumstances. I will not be moved by the feelings of fear or anger. How many of you know that, uh, like I said, Jesus in the garden had an opportunity to yield? And, and he chose to yield to the Father instead of his emotions, instead of to the severity of the situation. He yielded to God. And through one 
man's choice to yield. Salvation was paid for for all of humanity. And through your choice to yield, come on now, if you choose to yield to the Spirit of God, you have the opportunity to change your family. You have the opportunity to change your city. You have the opportunity to change your nation. Paul yielded, and he evangelized the known world. What can we do? What can we do? I'll leave you with this. Philippians 4, 6. It says, be careful for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned, received, and heard, and seen in me, do. And the God of peace shall be with you. Amen. Father, I just thank you right now that we've heard your word. Father, that it's our now choice to yield to the word that's been spoken. We thank you for the courage and the power to do so. In Jesus' name, we love you, Lord. Amen. Thank you, guys. God bless you. That's it. We're done. You can leave.